Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. This month we are tackling a series called Getting Past Your Past. And last week, we talked about the situations in our lives that seem to be daunting, overwhelming, totally consuming, and often leave us feeling like they are too big or too many for us to actually be able to move past. Those mistakes and those sins of our lives that keep us bound and chained. And last week I was here with literally in handcuffs. And interestingly, I was not able to get the handcuffs off by myself. I needed to get somebody to help me get them off. And I had marks on my hands for several hours afterwards. All right, we're, we're going to do a little caveat here. So, <laughs> last week, we had pizza with the pastors, and we did some little trivia about the pastors, and one of the things about me is one of the most embarrassing things that happens to me is that when I tell a joke and people don't laugh, <laughs> I actually follow that up with, well, it's actually more awkward when I say something that's not a joke, and people do laugh. That's this morning. Um, so, the interesting thing about having the marks still on my wrist for several hours is that just because you have been forgiven for your past does not mean that all the marks of it go away. And today we are dealing with the very real situation that even if you have looked at your past, examined your past, figured things out from your past, and you know that the Lord has forgiven you for those major mess-ups, those major sins, He's forgiven you for those years of sin and, and continuing to sin and t- continuing to make mistakes year after year after year, and you have the forgiveness of Christ, but you still feel stuck by it. You still feel trapped by it. You know you're forgiven. You know you've been released. But it still has this kind of weird, lingering effect on you. You look at your life now and you still suffer from anxiety and fear. You made mistakes in your past, but still, even today, your credit score and your finances are a mess. You've been forgiven for what you've done in the past, but those relationships and those bridges, they're burnt. You've got failed marriages, stepkids, ex-stepkids, ex-spouse, You've been forgiven for your sins, but you, you find that you're still repeating the addictions and re, 
repeating the sinful behaviors. Those old conflicts continue to come up. And you know that you are forgiving. You know that you don't have the handcuffs on. But those things still exist in your life and they still have an effect on you and you still feel stuck. When we look back in the book of Genesis, we find a man named Jacob. And Jacob took after his father Abraham, who was a bit of a liar. And hey, Jacob had a brother named Esau, and he was dishonest and greedy with his brother Esau. And yes, his brother Esau was a bit of a doofus. Very theological term. But Jacob lied to him. Jacob lied to his, his father. Abraham was his grandfather. Jacob lied to his father. He betrayed his brother. And eventually he got to this point where he had to run away from his family because he knew his brother was so angry at him that he might kill him. And so he ran away and he continued this situation where actually his uncle was being dishonest with him. And finally it came after years and years and years of being away from home and having been dishonest and having people be dishonest with him that he decides that it is time for him to head back to his homeland but he is terrified because he knows that his brother has not gotten over what he did to him. And we get to Genesis 32. And in Genesis 32, starting in verse 24, it says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Jacob left that place with this physical limp. And as he approached his homeland, he rearranged how his family was going and he made sure that instead of putting his family in front of him as a buffer to try to, try to hopefully avoid the chaos, Jacob, now Israel, went to the front of his family and decided that he would be the one to meet his brother head on and accept the consequences of his actions. He changed how he approached the situation. And because he did that, he was able to go and meet his brother Esau and find forgiveness. And he was welcomed home. 
See, his change, the change to the hip, was a symbolic change of how he was going to be living his life. And so because he was changing how he was living his life, things started to change for him. Well, Jacob, Israel, ended up having a whole bunch of kids. And that situation of jealousy and dishonesty was still there. When we follow the story, we find that Israel had many sons, and his youngest son was named Joseph. And all of his older brothers were jealous of Joseph. And so they got jealous of him, they threw him into a well, they faked his death, lied to their father, just like Jacob had lied to his father, and sold Joseph off into slavery. Joseph was living with the consequences and the mistakes of his father and of his brothers. But he was still stuck in the consequences of the past. Joseph goes and he's sold into slavery. Then he's there and he is in this home where he is serving well. And what happens? But somebody lies about him again and he's thrown into prison. And when he's in prison, he helps people and then he's forgotten again and betrayed again. Until finally one day, the Lord gives him an opportunity to stand before the nation. Give wisdom and clarity and save all people from the famine. See, Jacob had this encounter with God that made him realize that doing it the same way over and over and over again was going to change nothing, but something had to change if he wanted a different result. And even though they were still stuck in that cycle, still stuck in the issues of the past, Joseph understood the same thing. He understood that he was not going to get out of the situation he was in because of his father, because of his brothers, because of Potiphar's wife, because of the evil men in the prison. He was not going to get out of that situation by doing what they were doing. He had to do it differently. He had to walk differently like his father walked. He knew that that was the only way to break this cycle. That was the only way to be free. And it took time, and it took energy, it took patience. But because Joseph approached all those situations differently. He rose to a position of authority and power where he was actually able to save his family, save his brothers, save his father, and establish them as a great nation. When confronted with his brothers, Joseph says this to them. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? 
You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What's going on here? How, what, what, is, what is the special change? What is the thing that shifted? How is there able to be such a shift to change instead of continuing lies and continuing betrayal and seeing that happen over and over and over again and Joseph being stuck in that and Joseph seeing that happen more and more in his family? What was the change? Well, essentially... Joseph understood that when you clean dishes, you don't clean dishes in dirty water. How many of you do the dishes by hand at home? How many of you have ever tried to do the dishes in the sink and tried to get like one or two extra dishes through without changing the water? Anybody? And it works wonderfully, doesn't it? They come out very slick, very greasy, right? The, all the dirt slides right off of them afterwards, right? It leaves this nice film on it, doesn't it? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but some of you do. When you use dirty water to clean your dishes, you're not getting them clean you're just covering them in a different kind of dirt. The only way you get your dishes clean is by using clean water. If you want your life to be clean, you cannot clean it using the same old dirty water. That's not going to clean it. They might shove the dirt around. It may make it a little thinner. Make it into a paste or something instead of chunks. But it will not clean it. The only way you get your dishes, your life clean is by using clean water. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's my point. 
Only holiness can break the cycle of our past. Only holiness can break the cycle of our past. It is the clean water we need. Everything else is dirty, filthy, muddy, disgusting water. And the more we use it, the filthier things get. If you want to break the cycle, if you want to see the change like Jacob and Joseph, you want to see that change, and it may take time, and it may take generations, but if you want to see that change, and you see that change go from betrayal of brothers to forgiving brothers and building a nation, if you want to see that change, then you've got to change the clean water. And that clean water is the holiness of Christ, doing it the way of Christ. It means that you can't fight your anxiety and fear the same way that you've been doing it for years. It means that you can't keep trying to control your life and base your happiness on things that disappear. The path away from anxiety and fear is one of surrender to God, trusting Him and valuing Him over control and Him over money or Him over the experience, knowing that if you have Him, you have enough. You want to break the cycle that finances have on you. You need the fundamental change to approach money and tithing and giving and generosity as a calling of God on you. And you've got to allow God to decide where you work, how you spend your money, what you do with your money. Because otherwise you'll be serving money and trying to wash your life with dirty water. By doing doing things with clean water, with the Jesus way, bridges can get rebuilt. New ones can be built for the first time. And through forgiveness and confession and living in a way that builds good relationships, bridges are built and established. Family messes may be an ongoing reality for you. But treating your ex, your stepkids, your ex's new ex, whatever the dynamic is, by treating all these people with mercy and grace and honor and patience and respect and love, It will change how it affects you and it will change every other relationship. Because now you're cleaning with clean water. Trying to beat your addictions happens only through the power of Jesus changing your heart, helping you to say no keeping you away from the temptations. Being so filled with satisfaction in Him that those old temptations simply lose their appeal. These changes come by refusing to do it the old way. By embracing the new way. Embracing 
the clean water. Because it is only holiness, Christ-likeness, doing it Jesus' way that you can break the cycle of our past. So this is what we need to do. First, you've got to be forgiven. That is the first step to freedom. You need the forgiveness of Christ. Secondly, you've just got to admit that you are stuck in the consequences of your past. Don't try to deny it. Don't try to hide it away. Admit it. Step three, offer forgiveness to those around you. And then lastly, surrender your way to Jesus. Let Him determine your dreams, your plans, your pride, your limits, your standard of living, your family, safety, career, reputation, relationships, freedoms. Let Him determine how you will move forward. And if you decide that you want to start doing it the Jesus way, well now you're cleaning your life with clean water. And you'll find you'll find that you can break the cycles of your past. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.